This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Welcome back to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast, um, April 12th edition. I'm your host, Ben Jacob, joined as always by co-host Brian Schrader and Carl Jorn. Guys, how are you? Doing well, Ben. Thanks. Very good, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. So today's edition is a little bit of a divergence from what we've been doing over the winter. Now that we're getting into spring and have field activities, we do a little bit more of a live from the field type episode. And this episode will focus on Southern Indiana. And with that, our two guests today are Dan Emmert back again to join us. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing good, Ben. I'm glad I did okay last time so I can be back on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And and new today is is Jason Geis, the agronomist in southeastern Indiana. Jason, how are you? I'm good, Ben. So, Jason, since folks haven't had a chance to hear your voice yet, um, why don't you go ahead and take a minute and introduce yourself? Sure. So, uh, I live here in Greensburg, Indiana. I uh, started with Pioneer back in January. Um, I spent five years out of grad school as a production agronomist uh, for a competitive seed company, and then also a little bit of time as a seed treatment lead, and then spent the last two years covering Eastern Corn Belt as a technical rep for seed treatments uh, with BASF. So excited to be on board and excited to be on the podcast. Very good. Well, we're excited to have you. So. I think um, I think I think a good place to start would just be a little bit of a progress update. You know, we've had some really good, really nice weather throughout the first ten days of April, and then um, this weekend, most of the state saw some degree of rain. Uh, you know, at my house, we had three quarters of an inch, but I think depending on where you were in the state, you may have had up to an inch and a half. So, um, you guys can just give a quick update about what is going on in your area over the over the past seven to 10 days before the rain. Let me start with Dan. Yeah, so we've actually made a fair amount of planning progress. Um, there are some guys that I've talked to that completely finished all their beans last week. Um, now, on the other hand, there's other people that really, they've got a lot of their prep work done, burn down, tillage work, those types of things, but they haven't planted a seed yet. So we're, you know, kind of scattered across the board uh, as far as, as that goes. But, but overall, off to a uh, really solid start on planting in the southwest, very far southwest portion of the state. How about over your way, Jason? Yeah, I would agree with Dan. A um, bit of a mixed hat uh, in terms of what's been accomplished, but, you know, chatting with Chatting with some of the reps, uh, I've got some customers down in uh, Du Bois County that are almost wrapped up with planting. Um, and then when I get back up here closer to Greensburg, um, you know, I've heard of a few guys putting a few soybeans in the ground. Um, not a lot of corn going in up my way. Uh, so it kind of, you know, we've got a bit of a gradient, I think, across the southeast part of the state here. And I agree. That's that's similar as you move a little bit farther north into my area. A lot of a lot of prep work done, a lot of anhydrous put down, a lot of burn down happened, which is good to see because um, everything was purple and green there about 10 days ago. 
um, get into a real wet spring, that would, that would make a guy nervous, but not much corn in the ground, a little bit of beans, um, a little bit of corn on my very Southern edge. Brian and Carl, anything up? You guys are quite a bit further North. What's, uh, what's the progress report up there? Ben, you made the comment about things, uh, had purpled up and greened up a few episodes back. And now, uh, you know, the Northwest side of the state is finally caught up with you all, uh, further to the South. So starting to see some hen bit, you know, show it's, uh, show it's head, um so very pretty countryside in some areas uh where we didn't go ahead and get um get our weed control taken care of yet mostly my area i've seen guys putting on ammonia um that's that's been the biggest field activity that i've seen on some of the you know a little bit heavier ground uh far far north in my area getting close to the lake there have been some beans that got put in last week um but other than that i haven't heard of much corn uh, my way you got to track a little bit further to the east so Brian, how about for yourself? Uh, I'm going to go with the mixed bag comment that these guys have talked about, Carl. Uh, Rainfall is just about in line with what you guys are talking about uh, that you saw over the last three or four days. For us, uh, everything. We've got guys that have done a lot of burn down. We've got guys that are putting ammonia on. Uh, in Randolph County, north of uh, Richmond, south of Winchester, we had soybeans and a little bit of corn, some fields of corn. Uh, go in last week nobody's gotten in a really big hurry at this point I think more of it, it's just experimentation they've uh, started to listen to some of the comments in the industry ourselves included about planting early soybeans and so we are getting a little bit but planting progress I mean less than five percent is it I mean that number is probably pretty solid for my geography and for the for the first two weeks of April that seems like that seems like a reasonable amount of progress to make to make up that way. So as I mentioned, we had rain over the weekend. Everything pretty well got shut down. You know, I got the feeling through through early April that that some folks just weren't ready to go, even if they had feel, fit fields, either weren't ready um, weren't ready mentally or just still needed some time to work through some equipment issues. Um, but you know, as we as we approach mid April tax day here coming up this week. Um, what what should we be keeping in mind looking forward as fields get to fields get to drying back out, Dan? I think one of the big things is just making sure that those field conditions are actually fit for whatever the operation is that we're doing, whether it's whether it's tillage or planting. We want to avoid creating any compaction and, and give that developing seed the the best environment it has to develop a good root system um you know like you said it's still only the middle of april we can cover a lot of acres in a day or in a week um i think sometimes guys they they get in a rush and they go out and, and they they get into that first field that's almost ready and they push and then we develop sidewall compaction there and then hey you're, you're done with that one and it's on to the next one and well, it wasn't quite ready the day before, so you give it another day, and then it's still just a bit wet, and you just, you continue that vicious cycle where if we just would have waited one or two more days um, for conditions to get right, right, uh, we could have avoided um, some potential issues later on in, in the summer. Very good. What's, uh, what's on your radar the coming week to 10 days, Jason? Yep, I would uh, I would agree with what Dan was saying there too. Not to push things, um, but I guess just to add on that, back here around home, 
Um, you know, I saw a lot of anhydrous going on and a lot of burn down taking place um, this past week, but I think there's still quite a bit of burn down that needs to happen. Um, you know, there's, there's a handful of fields right here that are getting pretty thick uh, with some of the winter annuals. And, you know, the sooner we can get on there, once conditions are fit to get those burned off, that will help those soils dry out a little bit faster. So um, that's probably one of the big things that I'm seeing around here that, that still needs to take place. Yeah, and uh, I, I see that as well. And to quote, quote the uh, agronomist here north, Eric Miller, that's going to be tough for even the best ground pounder to deal with up there. <laughs> so the... Ben I, I, ben, I have yep. a quick thought on uh, what Jason was sharing about the winter annuals. Um, you know, when in my area, my concern when I see, you know, the chickweed and the henbit and some of those other uh, things that are kind of flushing up this time of year is that those are great hosts for soybean cyst nematodes, you know, kind of creates that green bridge over the winter. And so if we don't take care of cleaning those up prior to, you know, the winter setting in, that's a great way for uh, us to, con you know, for us to not be able to break that pest cycle. So just something to be cognizant of, especially up my where, where we really fight uh, SCN. Then, you know, as we got that flush of green growth, that's, that's taking up nutrients from our soil, particularly nitrogen. So uh, just making, making for some more challenging conditions for a great start to spring. Right. Yeah. And I think that SCN is one of those one of those things that there are a lot more issues with it than people actually realize. If you look at internal sampling, if you look at produce sampling, um, there are a lot more, there are a lot more potentially economically damaging populations across the state and a lot more resistance than I think that the, the bulk of the industry really realizes. So that's a, that's a good call out, Carl. Um, so as we're looking, as we're looking forward and things dried out, you know, Dan mentioned waiting for, waiting for your fields to get actually right, right. Not just a little on the heavy side. Um, you're looking at, looking at the forecast, we've got a number of days coming up where the lows at night will be down in the thirties. Um, does that give you guys any pause as, as we move forward and planters start rolling again? Yeah, it, it, it does a little bit, especially if you're planting the day before those overnight lows drop down. You know, ideally, I, as I look at most of the week, we've got highs in the 60s and lows in the 40s. And, and when that happens, we're able to maintain soil temperatures above 50, uh, usually without too much trouble. When it drops down below that, um, you know, that soil is going to buffer the temperature some, but especially that first 24 to 48 hours, if, if soil temps drop down below 50, we can start to see more issues with imbibitional chilling and, and those types of issues. Um, now, if it's a clear, sunshiny day and 65, almost 70 the day before it drops down, I'm, I'm not as concerned about that. Um, but it definitely for stuff planted right ahead of those cool temps, it would give me a little bit of concern. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I'd add to that, Dan, is that you, your soil does have a, most soils have a really nice buffering effect. And as long as you're planted, you know, two inches or deep, deep or so, you'll be able to take advantage of that. The one caveat to that is that 
if you have a if you have a, a half inch rain or or however much rain if you have if you have rain enough to saturate the soil down to where the seed is your soil is going to be whatever the air temperature is with with a cold rain so i'd add that yeah the in some ways getting down to 35 does concern me but when that's when that's bookended on both on you know the day before and the day after by 62 65 degrees um you know you don't that doesn't cause me too much concern but if that was coupled with an overnight rain um, that would probably be a situation where you'd really want to really want to avoid planting planting corn for you know at least 24 preferably 48 hours before that so. well I mean, we got to remember we're coming off 2020 where we saw a lot of acres planted when the daytime highs uh, were barely above 50 and you know, we didn't we didn't see any huge catastrophes, but I, I do think stands in a lot of those fields were less than ideal. Um, you know, maybe the the plant counts were there, but the, the plants just weren't quite as robust. Or even in some cases, we were missing two or three thousand plants per acre. Yeah, I yeah I agree that we did things that um, just because they survived, they <laughs> they weren't ideal. Um, but it did speak volumes to the quality of our seed treatment, I think, and the ability for, I mean, if you think about the ability for a seed to lay in the ground for three plus weeks before it emerges um, in cold and oftentimes saturated soil, it's just, it's just incredible that we can actually accomplish that. And shameless plug, if you listen to the episode or two episodes before this, I guess, with, with uh, Ron, he'll take a, a deep, a deeper look at the what goes into our seed treatments. Um, Carl or Brian, is there anything else that you guys would like to cover that we haven't got to? Ben, the one thing I want to mention about this temperature forecast for this week is remember we track growing degree days and we can pretty well nail emergence on corn and get pretty close on soybeans. And we've got to be patient. Don't pull the plug on a crop right now because growing degree units don't start accumulating until above 50 degrees. And so it's going to take a little time with these temperatures just because of the fluctuation during the day to get up above 50 in the morning and hold that temperature. And then it's going to drop down pretty quick. So we're not going to accumulate very many units every day. And so it's going to take some time to get this crop out of the ground. And folks just need to be patient with that, not I guess, pull the plug. Uh, if they do happen to get done, uh, pull the plug on something they've already had in the ground and say, hey, we've got to tear it up and start over again. Let, we're going to have to be a little patient just because of the forecast. Well, and my, my, as I'm thinking aloud here, based on what Brian was sharing, you know, if you've got a neighbor that was able to go ahead and get some of their ground planted and you're getting a little antsy trying to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to go yet. No, I'm not going to go yet. If we've got this cool stretch of, of temperatures, you're not missing out on that many growing degree days. And when we were visiting with Don Kyle, he said, you know, it's not the number of calendar days that pass by that's really important with respect to delayed planting in soybeans. It's how much heat am I missing out on? And so if we're not missing out on much heat, you don't have to get too, you know, too squirrely about going out and getting planted into unfit conditions like Dan was sharing. So I think that's just something to be very, very mindful of as you're, as you're, you know, rustling around in the shed, trying to come up with other things to keep yourself busy, then go out and get started before it's time. Ben, I've got a question for you guys down South that um, we wrestle with up here quite a bit. 
Uh, I'm curious with your early planted soybeans that are in the ground already, what's the discussion around maturity for those early season soybeans? Are, are we planting the short season, your guys' short season first? Are you planting your late seasons first? How are your growers approaching that? Maybe we can learn from a little bit of that because we're still planting early soybeans in the north. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take a swing at it. And Dan and Jason, you guys can, you guys can follow up with what I miss. I think that how should I put this, the most yield conscious conscientious growers are planting their fuller season beans first. Um, and if you're planting a short bean or early, it's a, it's more of a logistics more of a logistics concern. So if you plant your, your three ones first down here and then move into, and usually what happens then is they'll plant something real short to get started with, then jump to say a four, two or whatever their fullest season variety is. Um, and Dan or Jason, you, anything to add or want to, want to argue? I, I would, uh, I'd second that. It's, uh, more of a harvest there's two things one is harvest logistics so they basically just start with their earliest maturity and then keep rolling through the second thing is we're kind of close to the ohio river and and every once in a while there will be an early harvest premium mm-hmm. and so guys will really push um sometimes especially you're like this where they think there's going to be a, a real opportunity to capture that um those are probably the two biggest things. Now, like Ben said, we've got data that shows, hey, you plant the fullest season bean you're comfortable with the earliest and, and you're gonna capture a few more bushels. But when you look at that data, the big benefit always comes from early planting, whether you're planting a group three or a group four, planted early uh, is gonna yield more than planted in May. And I might add too, Brian, that, that in a year like 2020 where we had in, in, in a lot of the area that I cover, we had pretty bad drought through August and September. Um, those early varieties planted early in the season were hands down better than, better than anything else. This is moved flowering and pod fill earlier before the severe stress. Now that, that was an atypical year, right? It's not, but there may be a conversation to have in there as far as risk management and having, you know, I know we talked about planting a range of uh, maturities mm-hmm. before for that reason. Uh, there might, there might be a conversation having there mixing up, mixing up maturity and planting date to, to spread risk. Good. Well, Jason, is there anything, um, anything else you'd like to add for the good of the cause? You know, you're just speaking of atypical years. Um, I had a handful of guys that I was chatting with here this past week, um, you know, asking about getting out there and planting early uh, soil conditions were fit. Um, you know, a handful of guys were still hesitant because they remembered that early May frost that we had last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind, too, that that was a, a very atypical situation. Um, you know, when I look at the, the average data the last spring, freeze or frost you know for much of my area here it's you know the middle of april um you know so that's i would say a pretty low concern uh from that standpoint but you know that's that's something that's been sticking with people uh for sure yeah very good dan anything else that we didn't cover i think we're good for now (laughs) 
I'm sure five minutes from now, I'll think of three more things, but uh, <laughs> uh, for right now, we're good. Awesome. Very good. All right, Carl Bryan. No, I, I enjoyed hearing uh, what was what was happening as we inch closer to the Mason-Dixon line. So always good to know what to expect, uh, you know, here in three weeks, my time. It, it's South always 40, good to hear Carl. about. South of 40. South of 40, that's right. Yeah, it's know. always good to hear from you guys about what's going on. I mean, obviously, as you move further north for Carl and I, you guys give us an indication of what to expect sometimes, um, you know, whether that's southern or, you know, insects or anything else. But it's always good to hear, you know, maybe you can make some real-time corrections or changes based on what you guys are experiencing. So it's been good today. Good. All right. Well, as always, we wrap up by um, – putting it out there if anybody heard anything that they want to reach out to you guys for more information uh, jason where can folks find you at sure uh you can find me on twitter at jason geis and then you can find me on facebook at jason geis agronomy and dan how about you uh i am on twitter at dan emmert that's emmert with two m's and uh dan emmert agronomy on facebook Carl? Uh, find me on Twitter at CJorn. Mr. Schrader. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BK Schrader and on the gram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. And as always, you can find me on the Twitter sphere at the Ben Jacob or Facebook, uh, Ben Jacob Agronomy. Um, with that, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope that uh, hope that you found something worthwhile and spending your time with us. Um, to stay safe until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.